My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of All the Hard Things. Today, I'm going to chat with you guys about something that might kind of stun some of you, maybe some of you um, clients, if you're listening, um, people out there just with obsessive compulsive disorder or anxiety, or even therapists who are out there um, who do exposure and response prevention or are kind of new to it and want to know more about it. So, I'm going to talk about can you do too much exposure work? Um, can you do it too intensely? Can you do it too frequently? Can you just get too much of it? And the short answer of it is yes. Um, it's not one of those things that the more of it, the better. Um, it's actually, in my experience, I think one of the things that there's kind of a sweet spot. And unfortunately, it's not the same for everybody, right? So everyone is going to need a, need something a little bit different. Um, People who are super motivated and very perfectionistic, it might be good for them to challenge themselves to at some point not do so many assignments in a structured way. Um, and I'll get into some of that a little bit later. But somebody who's a little bit more avoidant and needs some more structure and really needs a lot of repetitive trials, maybe they require more of that. Um, but I'm going to go over a couple of you know things that might be going on as to why someone might want to just keep doing exposures and keep doing exposures. And they're just very like kind of intense about it. Um, and so, so yeah, the, these are the individuals who are doing exposure work. They're engaging in therapy for obsessive compulsive disorder or anxiety. They're doing the exposure work and they just want more of it. They're very intense with their work. Um, they may superficially present, uh, you know, with very good intentions, like they really want to absorb everything. Um, they're willing to do whatever it takes. They're just kind of desperate. And on the surface, right, like as a therapist, it's refreshing to work with these individuals every once in a while um, versus individuals who are very avoidant of their exposure work and who kind of don't buy in. And so usually when we get people who are like all in with their exposure work and they want more. And, you know, do you have any more for me to do? It can feel good. Like, wow, this person is really motivated. And sometimes that's the case. You know, I think a lot of times that truly is the case. Um, but sometimes I think there could be the potential for something else going on. And so you'll have to, you know, get to know your client. You'll have to, you know, as a therapist out there, you're going to have to kind of learn and develop and learn to trust and go off of your own intuition and have those conversations potentially with the people you're working with of here's what could be going on. Here's what I'm observing. And I just want to bring it up to you. Like, what do you think could be going on here? 
Um, so, so yeah, so the, the one thing that could be going on here is that it's compulsive in nature, right? So potentially there's, um, some anxiety there about not doing enough work, um, about not doing it well enough. And there's just some sense of urgency. Like I have to do more. I have to do more. You know, I have to take this really seriously. And, and we all know as therapists and now as, you know, as clients listening or people who have OCD and anxiety, right? Like anytime that you feel the need to do something or the urgency to have to do something, it's probably not very good for your treatment, right? So anything that's like you need to do it and there's some urgency behind it. And especially if you're going to be kind of anxious, if you don't do things a certain way. It's usually a sign that there's some compulsivity behind that behavior, that that might be related to your anxiety or your OCD in some form or fashion. Um, if we don't address these issues in treatment too, I think it's a potential for exposure work that we're missing. So there's something potentially going on there when someone's really overexerting themselves when it comes to their exposure work, when they're just really, really intense with it. And that might be an issue. So I'll talk about that a little bit more too. and then. Also, I think this can be problematic because it just doesn't mimic the real life situation, right? Like, I'm always kind of worried that these individuals are going to go strong in the beginning and then kind of get burnt out and overwhelm themselves. Um, I always try to tell my members, like, slow and steady wins the race. Like, obviously, I want you to work hard, but don't be afraid of having these, like, very small, subtle changes that are more like lifestyle changes versus just, like, doing this crazy exposure that's a 10 out of 10. Um, there are some bad things associated with that too, obviously, like doing flooding exposures and all that. But I would much rather have a person with OCD who I'm working with do a lot of small lifestyle changes that they can sustain and commit to for a long, long time, potentially for the rest of their life versus doing these big sudden bursts that are really extreme of effortful exposure work. And so Another thing along those lines is I think it's really important for members and for people with OCD and anxiety and for therapists to know the people with OCD and anxiety, we, they have to learn how to be okay with making mistakes every once in a while. As humans, we just can't always operate at that level of functionality where we're constantly going and going and going and going. Eventually, we're going to burn out and eventually we're going to not be invested in the work anymore. And so I think it's important to not to make sure that we're not or that our clients aren't always operating at that extreme level of go, go, go. I have to go, go, go and do all the things. So really, there are four like areas here that I would want to touch on and four really big uh, concerns kind of that come to mind. Anytime someone has a client or themselves like the client themselves are really struggling with overdoing exposure work. So these are kind of the three things that I might talk to a member about. When I say member, I talk about no CD um, and I'll get to an ad about that. I'll tell you guys all about no CD a little bit later, um, but these are just clients with OCD. So I'm going to go over four things that if I had suspicions, if somebody was really overdoing it or overexerting it with their, with their work um, that I would want to touch on with them in session. So the first thing really is if someone's, you know, really exercising these kind of ha these habits and these patterns of being very perfectionistic and very go, go, go with their exposure work, I'm probably going to not be surprised to know or find out that they are also this way with other things in their life, right? So it's probably not 
random that this person just all of a sudden attached themselves to exposure work. You know, they're being given these homework assignments. They have this quote unquote authority figure in the form of a therapist. Um, They have these expectations in the form of exposure work. It's not, I I don't think it's random, you know, that, that this is kind of the first time that they have attached to anything like that with a lot of pressure associated with it and perfected it. So the possibility for that person, if they're perfecting their exposure work, to also be quite perfectionistic in academia or in the work setting is also very, very likely, right? So um, especially when I used to work at residential, you know, when people would come and they would, that was kind of their, their, their job, right? Like they would wake up, they literally already lived in that unit. Um, they would go to groups, they would do their exposures. That was kind of like their job. They kind of clocked in in the morning and it was their expectation that they did groups and that they gave it their all and that they did all these exposures. That was kind of the equivalent of their job to them at that time because they weren't also working. They weren't also able to do a school. So um, anytime that they really uh, perfected their exposure work or were very, very rigid about things and have these really intense expectations, and wanted more and more and more, these individuals usually already were perfectionistic about their schoolwork and or their work work. And so it's just now OCD is just going to latch onto something else, right? And so if you're not in work or you're not able to perform at work, or even if you are and you start to do exposure work, your OCD is going to latch onto that too. And so my encouragement as a therapist, if you are a therapist listening, is to really highlight this with your clients and to dig deep into the history of like, you know, how is this stuff for you when you're at school? What is it like for you when you're at work? Um, You know, how do you approach work in general? How do you approach assignments and expectations? Um, If if there's an underlying fear potentially of not having things perfect, of not doing things just right, or being late, um, being made fun of, or being, you know, having someone who's disappointed in them, having missed something on a piece of paperwork. there's a lot of exposure work that could be done there. So um, definitely as a therapist, just making sure that you're having those discussions with your clients. As a client, making sure that you're making those connections too, bringing it to your therapist and just knowing whoever you are, knowing that, you know, this isn't a random scenario. You know, if your OCD is latching onto your ERP work, it probably has latched onto other things before as far as homework assignments and authority figures go. And it's probably going to continue to do that unless you work through it with exposures in the moment, hopefully with a trained therapist. Really, the second thing here is anytime someone is kind of really perfectionistic about their exposure work, I'm always a little bit concerned about the desperation there. So especially if they're presenting as really desperate and compulsive to do the work and they want more and they're really kind of panicked about it. I'm worried that the person who's doing the exposure work might just be so desperate for it to work because they're having a hard time sitting with the uncertainty that it might not work. And again, we know that sitting with uncertainty and the intolerance of uncertainty is really, really difficult for people who have OCD. And as such, it has to be central to the treatment. Um, If we're really not working on them increasing their tolerance for uncertainty, then we're missing a big part of their treatment and the betterment of their life, right? So Um, whenever that happens, I really want to make sure with my resident, you know, like, I want you to know, I'm really hopeful that this works for you. Um, but I noticed that there's like, like this compulsive need for it to work. And, 
Maybe we need to do exposures about like living with OCD long-term and maybe do some script work around that. Um, because if, if one of the core fears is that they're going to be this way forever and they're using exposures as a way to kind of reassure themselves that they're not going to, you know, you know, if I do these exposures, then I won't have OCD ever again. Um, that's definitely something that you guys can talk about during therapy because it might be good to kind of expose yourself to that. Because as awful as it sounds and as hard as it might sound for some of you out there, you know, ERP is the gold standard treatment for OCD and anxiety. And I hope and I have so much skill in this area and, and therapists have tons of talent in this area. We could have the most motivated person, the most straightforward person, the most, you know, well put together hierarchy. And it's very, it's still uncertain as to, you know, what that prognosis is going to be. Um, we can make a pretty good estimate and a pretty good guess as to what that might look like based on certain factors that we see and, and certain research and certain factors kind of, you know, like motivation and ritual prevention and all that stuff, but nothing is certain. Um, you could do all the exposures in the world. You could have the best ritual prevention in the world, and we still can't say 100%, you know, what someone's prognosis is going to be. So it's really important for our clients that they're sitting with that and that they are able to accept that uncertainty along with all the other uncertainty that we're working with them to try to tolerate in their treatment. So I mentioned no CD. I also mentioned that I have two more kind of, you know, blips that I might share with my clients if they're struggling with this. So we're going to really quickly, I'm going to tell you guys about no CD. I love it. Um, and then as soon as that's over, I'm going to get back to the last two tidbits that I would share with clients who struggle with overdoing ERP. If you or someone you know is struggling with anxiety or obsessive compulsive disorder, check out NoCD. NoCD is a mobile platform where you can have effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. You'll get to do live video sessions with a licensed therapist who specializes in exposure and response prevention, which is the gold standard treatment for OCD. And depending on what state you live in, you may even be able to request to work with me. They take insurance, it's available in all 50 states, and you can even get support in between your sessions from your therapist and from a community of other individuals who also have OCD. To know more, go to www.treatmyocd.com and schedule a free 15-minute phone call. Be sure to tell them that Jenna Overbaugh sent you. All right, we're back. And I'm going to chat with you about the two other things that I would kind of tell my clients um, if I had suspicions that they might be overdoing it with exposures. So kind of related to the last one, I would really want to make sure that they're not getting reassurance from the exposures somehow. So um, the kind of example that comes to mind is let's say that somebody is struggling with uh, sexual orientation OCD. For those of you who don't know, um, somebody with OCD who specifically struggles with sexual orientation, this is kind of a subtype um, where someone really, really struggles with doubtfulness about their sexual orientation. So somebody may present as quote unquote straight, but then they might have a lot of intrusive thoughts that maybe they're attracted to the same gender. Um, and they may really, really struggle with compulsions related to that. So checking and um, body checking, they may seek a lot of reassurance or do a lot of researching and Googling and uh, avoidance, all those things. 
And so let's take someone who is really fearful of the fact that they may be gay or they are really just having a hard time with that uncertainty really is what it is. Um, and so again, these are not individuals who usually are like anti any type of sexual orientation. And our goal in treatment isn't to identify whether they are a certain orientation or whether they're not. Our goal in treatment is to get them to be able to tolerate that uncertainty um, and really reduce the ritualistic behaviors and safety seeking behaviors that go along with that. And so somebody with any type of subtype of OCD could really be getting actual reassurance from the exposures. But I'll give you this example first, just to kind of highlight how it could happen. So going to take somebody who has uh, sexual orientation OCD. Let's say they're really, really anxious. It's a we're talking about a male and he identifies as straight, but he's really fearful that he might actually be gay and be attracted to other males. Um, and so let's say I give him an exposure to actually look at pictures of other men in bathing suits. Maybe that would be reassurance for that person because maybe by looking at them, he doesn't feel the arousal that he typically did, or maybe he kind of checks himself and ritualizes and isn't as attracted to that person as he thought he was. And so maybe that's why he's not anxious by it. So maybe that person wants to overdo those exposures and get more and get more and get more because he's actually getting reassurance from it. Maybe it actually feels good for him to be doing these exposures because he's getting reassurance in a way that neither one of you were really expecting. Um, and so again, I would just encourage this person to try to sit with the uncertainty as much as possible, um, try to resist the rituals as much as they possibly can. And know, you know, what really comes up here, <clears throat> I, I always get worried related to the fearfulness of sitting with the uncertainty, right? Like, I think a lot of people with any type of OCD, but, you know, sticking with the example of the sexual orientation OCD, this person would obviously probably engage in a lot of reassurance seeking about, you know, no, I'm still attracted to my girlfriend, so I must be straight. Or, no, he's not really my type. Like, I didn't feel arousal down there, so I must not be gay. That's obviously reassurance in one end of the spectrum. I think people can also get reassurance by just accepting the worst case scenario, right? So screw it. I'm just going to make out with this guy and get it over with. Screw it. I'm just going to tell my family that I'm gay and get it over with. And the reason why that's also bad is because that's still reassurance. It's still just kind of accepting the worst case scenario. It's not accepting the uncertainty. And the reason why that's problematic is there's, I don't want anyone to accept and believe any part of the spectrum, either part of those spectrums, right? Like I don't want them to accept any potential reality other than what's in the middle, which is the, the uncertainty, the gray area. So I don't want somebody to reassure themselves that they're straight. I don't want somebody to reassure themselves that they're gay. I want this person to sit with the uncertainty that maybe they are and maybe they're not. This came up a lot in residential. Um, we would have so many people who had really intense harm intrusive thoughts. They would be really sure or really uncertain, I should say, about whether or not they harmed someone, whether or not they accidentally had a hit and run or killed someone. It was so hard for them to sit with the uncertainty, you know, the doom that the neck, that the police car that drove by the house was there. They were coming for them. The doom that I can't fall asleep. What if this is the night that I'm taken away from my family? They weren't able to sit with that uncertainty. They would call the police on themselves, you guys. 
they would call the police on themselves because at that point it was easier to just get it over with, right? It was easier to just throw in the towel. It was easier to just let it go. It was easier to just accept that that was going to be the worst case scenario instead of sitting with the uncertainty. That's how extreme and how ridiculous OCD can be sometimes. That's how intolerant people with OCD and anxiety can be about sitting with the uncertainty, that they will just throw in the towel and just make their worst case scenario happen because they can't sit with their gray. And so that's what I want to make sure is not happening with exposures, that they're not getting reassurance from the exposures and that they're truly sitting with the uncertainty. I don't want people to give reassurance on either end of the spectrum. I don't want them to reassure about the best case scenario. I don't want them to accept the worst case scenario. I want them to accept the uncertainty. And the last thing here that I would really talk about is the Yerkes-Dodson curve. So I believe I did another podcast episode about this. So I think it's called like the, the link or the relationship between anxiety and performance. So if this rings a bell for any of you, or if you want to learn more about that, then definitely head back to that previous episode. Again, it's going to be something, I think, along the lines of like uh, the relationship between performance and anxiety. Um, But essentially in that episode, and what I'll talk about here is a lot of just the relationship between performance or pressure and anxiety. So what the Yerkes-Dodson curve is, it's actually called the Yerkes-Dodson law now because they've demonstrated it in so many different areas that it's pretty much just a law at this point. Um, But essentially, if if you could envision an x-axis and a y-axis in a bell curve, so it starts really low and then it dips up and then comes back down low again. So um, essentially what this is, is just at low levels of anxiety, we have low levels of performance. Okay, so essentially, we want people to be a little bit anxious about stuff. We don't want people to be not anxious about stuff because they're going to have low performance. If I'm not anxious about this podcast or how I appear or whatever, I'm not going to prepare for it. I'm not going to have notes for it. I'm just going to sit here and talk and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just, you know, not going to care. If I'm not anxious about a test, like, Um, years ago, I took a word working class and I didn't care about that class at all because it was like a quarter of my, of a GPA point. And I had good grades otherwise. So I didn't care about what I got in that woodworking class. I had no anxiety about my grade in the woodworking class. My performance in woodworking class absolutely sucked because I did not care about it. Right. And conversely at really, really high levels of anxiety, we have low levels of performance. And so again, if I'm so anxious about a class, I'm going to have really, really low levels of performance because I'm going to be anxious about studying for it. I'm going to procrastinate. I'm going to, you know, be really anxious in the moment and I'm not going to be able to access my rational mind. I'm not going to be able to access my memory as well as I normally would have been able to do. And so, you know, again, at low levels of anxiety and at high levels of anxiety, we have low performance. What really contributes to the best performance, the highest performance, is moderate levels of anxiety. And so I would just explain to clients who really struggle with perfectionism in general, and especially as it relates to their exposures, you know, we want you to have a little bit of anxiety about this stuff. Anxiety can be a motivating factor. Anxiety can motivate you. It's a sign that you care about stuff. You know, if you weren't anxious about it, then you wouldn't care. I need you to be a little bit anxious about it, but right now you're over here and I may even draw the Yerkes-Dodson curve for them, you know, draw it out. And usually if I'm at the point where I need to draw this out for a client, they're like, yep, that's me. 
100%. And normally these individuals are at the high end of the spectrum where they have really, really high anxiety and low performance. And so these are individuals who get so anxious about reading and they have to memorize every little word that they end up not reading at all. And, you know, their intention is that they want to remember everything. But of course, you don't remember anything when you don't read it at all. Right. So you end up not having good performance in that way because you're just so anxious about it. Um, So again, I would encourage these members or these clients to know that anxiety can be functional. It means that you care about this. We need you to be a little bit anxious about this stuff, but not so anxious that you're debilitated by it. And that, you know, especially what I, what I don't want to have happen, which happens a lot is I'll give someone an exposure, say to hold on to a doorknob or to, you know, pre COVID shake hands with someone or write down a horrible thought or think a horrible thought, um, listen to triggering sounds or look at triggering images. If they're so worried about doing their exposure correctly, they do the exposure and they're almost more worried about doing the exposure correctly than actually doing the exposure the way that I assigned it. I always would say, you know, the the only way that you can really do this wrong other than virtualizing like crazy is to be so worried about doing it wrong that you then obsess about whether you're doing it right. And so what ends up happening, unfortunately, is that if we don't catch these perfectionistic tendencies and kind of outline them and try to challenge them with all of the issues that I brought forth in this podcast, what can happen is they will just annihilate all of their exposure potential by just worrying about whether they're doing it correctly. And so obviously that's not going to be effective. And then obviously you can do some exposure work around that, just, you know, not doing work as perfectly But I think a lot of it just comes down to some education and going through the points that I outlined in this podcast, Um, because that is the kind of worst case scenario when somebody is just caught so desperately in that loop that they're doing their exposures and they're so perfectionistic about it that they really can't let themselves even feel the anxiety about the exposure, whether it's harm intrusive thoughts or a sexual related exposure you know, that the exposures aren't even really effective. They can't even take hold because they're so worried about doing them perfectly. So ultimately, yeah, like I said, I would kind of just educate clients about these issues. I believe really strongly in just providing members and clients with tons and tons and tons of education and kind of letting them know, like, this is where my mind is going. This is some something that I know about this. What do you think about it? Um, I think especially with ERP work, it's so much of just skill building and letting them become their own therapist and really learning that ERP skill so that they can learn it, you know, do well with that skill and use it for the rest of their life. And so really, too, in addition to that is bringing it constantly back to this idea and this need to be sitting with that uncertainty. Maybe you are doing exposures wrong. I don't know. Right. Like you could tell me everything that you have going on with you and I can give you my best feedback and support and you could still be doing them wrong. Right. So uh, yeah, just lots of education, reemphasizing the importance of sitting with uncertainty. Um, You know, if they're really struggling, if you feel like this is a person who's kind of at that high end of the Yerkes Dodson curve, finding ways to reduce the pressure that they're putting on themselves. Right. So um, finding ways to take them from high anxiety to more moderate levels of anxiety. And you can do that by having them maybe eliminate distraction, um, having them break really difficult goals down into smaller and more manageable parts. So lots of potential problems, right? And lots of reasons why these things are problematic, but tons and tons of ways that you can 
navigate these issues in therapy, whether you're a client, whether you're somebody who just is on your own trying to navigate obsessive compulsive disorder and ERP and all that good stuff. Um, so lots of good stuff here. Uh, moral of the story, like I said, is trying to sit with uncertainty as much as possible, even if it attaches to your exposure work. Um, and really just being aware of the fact that your OCD can latch onto anything and it will latch onto anything if you let it. So um, really just being aware of that and providing that education, I think, can go a long way with people. So I hope that this was helpful. Uh, reach out to me. Let me know, especially if you're a therapist or even a client, you know, somebody out there struggling with OCD, something that, you know, resonated with you. I'm curious to know, like, what other problems this kind of has brought up for you. Um, any other advice or suggestions you have for people, you know, going through this, that would be really, really helpful to share. So um, let me know if all this kind of resonates. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.